Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the salvation that we have through faith in Christ. And I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for this world in which we are living in. You have determined ahead of time that you want people to be saved. That is your desire. You want people to have life and fellowship with you for eternity. And we thank you for uh, providing a way for us. Before we were even born, you provided the way through faith in Jesus Christ and his salvation, or his uh, sacrifice for our sins. And I just pray that we would live as people who understand this truth and understand that you are accomplishing your purpose in this world and that uh, before your purpose is completely accomplished, life may not be all that pleasant for us. And I just pray that we would uh, walk by faith in you each moment of the day, and we thank you for your protection over us, both physically and spiritually, and I just pray that we would be found faithful until you come again for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we'll start with... uh, I've got three articles this morning. They'll go, we'll try to make this kind of quick. Here's a a term that is something that we should be paying attention to or should be familiar with. At any rate, it is becoming more uh, prominent as we move through time. And it has very much to do with uh, what we're learning about in Revelation, actually. And uh, kind of the direction that the world is headed in. And it is ESG is the acronym anyway. It stands for Environmental Social Governance. And right now, at any rate, in the Western world, this has to do, uh, this term specifically, ESG, has to do with businesses and kind of, uh, it's like a, a... credit score, if you will, like we, every person, whether we like it or not, has a credit score. How, how likely, and essentially that is a score that says how likely you are to be able to pay back a loan if you take out a personal loan or a mortgage or something like that. And a number of factors go into that. Well, the powers that be in the world have developed this wonderful system for businesses. And it is essentially a score uh, that uh, businesses keep track of that have to do uh, that that makes it uh, the score at any rate now is a number that suggests whether or not you should invest in a company uh, as a person with funds to be able to do that. And it's scored on how environmentally conscious the business is, how socially conscious the business is, and the type of governance that they have within that corporate structure. And so you can sort of see where this is headed. Uh, And I'll just read the article. What is it? This came from CIO.com, October 20th, 2022. Uh, What is ESG and why is it important? 
Environmental, social, and corporate governance is a strategic framework for identifying, assessing, and addressing organizational objectives and activity ranging from the car company's carbon footprint and commitment to sustainability to its workplace culture and commitment to diversity and inclusion to its overall ethos regarding corporate risks and practices. It is an organizational construct that's become increasingly important, especially to socially responsible investors who want to invest in companies that have a high ESG rating or score. The three main pillars of ESG include environmental commitment. This includes everything. Uh, around a company's commitment to sustainability and the impact it has on the environment, including its carbon emissions and footprint, energy usage, waste, and environmental responsibility. So you can imagine where airlines fit in, um, in with that sort of uh, uh, scoring matrix. They're, they're pretty low on the uh, ESG uh, and anything actually that has to do with transportation is very low because transportation industries use fossil fuels that aren't very environmentally conscious. And so you, uh, what's, what is one of the main things that they did in the Soviet Union to their citizens? Nah, they didn't allow them to travel. And so this is kind of, uh, we can see where this is headed, at least in that simple Example in that regard. Uh, also, the S, social commitment. This covers a company's internal workplace culture, employee satisfaction and retention, okay, uh, and diversity, workplace conditions, and employee health and safety. Companies with happy and healthy employees perform better and are viewed as a stronger investment. That all sounds great. Uh, corporate governance. A company's commitment to governance includes compliance, the internal corporate culture, pay ratios, the company ethos or ethos and transparency and accountability and leadership. Investors are interested in companies that can keep up with changing laws and regulations and that have a commitment to equity in and equality in the workplace. Uh, so that's what ESG is. And the people behind it are investment groups uh, like BlackRock, if you've ever heard of them, uh, State Street. These are, the, these are the kinds of companies that are behind this rating. And oh, by the way, they're run by committed leftists. And so that's where all this is coming from. So why are companies trying to, every company under the sun is trying to show how green they are, how diverse they are, how socially conscious they are, and uh, these kinds of things because they need the money from the investors. So it's sort of a catch-22. A catch and at this point in time, this is what ESG has to do with. It's not necessarily uh, governments controlling people with an ESG score uh, with... Not yet, <laughs> but, but wait, there's more. We'll get to that uh, shortly. So it's not all bad news. There's actually a gentleman from West Virginia. He was just recently elected as the, the treasurer for the state of West Virginia. 
who recognizes this <clears throat> for what it is. This is a Breitbart article from uh, just this past week, November 23rd. Uh, West Virginia Treasurer Riley Moore, who recently announced a congressional run in 2024, told Breitbart News in an exclusive interview that ESG, environmental, social, and governance policies, are going to lead to the, quote, destruction of the fossil fuel industry. Because, of course, uh, West Virginia is, that's basically what they have, is fossil fuels. That is their industry in that state. And those sorts of industries are, are heavily impacted by uh, ESG in, under the environmental banner, like digging for coal, producing natural gas and, and uh, oil and fuel, all of these kinds of things. And so, uh, and that's why we're seeing governments go towards more green, quote unquote, green energy with solar and windmills, windmills that need to be replaced every 10 years, uh, solar panels that are made exclusively from things that we dig out of the ground. You just sort of see it's a shifting away from oil to other industries that have to do with taking things out of the ground. One of them works really well. <laughs> Oil, coal, nuclear. The others, eh, jury's still still out on how well those even work to begin with. But there's uh, this idea that we're going to save the earth if we stop using oil and we start using solar panels. And uh, it's, it's simply a way for uh, control over businesses, government control over businesses and control over people essentially is the end, the end goal, as we'll see here shortly. Uh, the article says ESG policies are a form of leftist activism in financial investing that has become the latest vector to influence the way Wall Street financial firms and corporations continue to take social and political positions that do not relate to their business such as stances associated with climate change, as well as the diversity, equity, and, in and inclusion agenda. Wall Street firms such as BlackRock, for example, sell ESG as a way to invest according to specific criteria that the political left pushes on voters and consumers, like uh, Coca-Cola, for example. What, why does Coca-Cola care about the environment or care, you know, jam diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion down our throats? Uh, well, because the people who are giving them the money are telling them to do that. And uh, there's a measure of the fact that they're committed leftists as well. Uh, more, the newly, this gentleman... The newly announced congressional candidate added that as the state treasurer, he's been focused on human flourishing while he has been up against people that want to concentrate on ESG policies focused on limiting human impact on the globe. So there's a good uh, way to look at candidates who we want to vote for. Is this person in favor of humans having a better life? <laughs> or is he or she in favor of limiting our impact on the globe? Man, that, that just kind of, that cuts across 
it should or could at any rate cut across party lines. Is this person out for the rights and uh, will of the people? Or is he uh, out for the right of governments to control us? Speaking of which, here's where ESG is headed. China's uh, in, insider article, Business Insider article, December 24th, 2021. So this is, this is certainly not new news by any stretch, but this is where ESG is headed around the world. Uh, China, China's social credit system ranks citizens and punishes them with throttled internet speeds and flight bans if the Communist Party deems them untrustworthy. Unbelievable. The Chinese Communist Party has been constructing a moral ranking system for years that will monitor the behavior of its enormous population and rank them all based on their social credit. The social credit system, first announced in 2014, is an important component of the socialist market economy system. See, see how that's all tying together? What, what you think, what you uh, say, what you do, what you believe is t- intimately tied into the economy system and the social governance system. And it aims to reinforce the idea that keeping trust is glorious and breaking trust is disgraceful, according to a 20. 20- 15 government document. The rankings are decided by China's economics planning team, the National Development and Reform Commission, the People's Bank of China, and the Chinese court system, according to the South China Morning Post. The system can be used for individual people, but also for companies and government organizations. The private sector, including the burgeoning tech world in China, has their own non-governmental scoring system that they implement, uh, as Wired reported. Uh, let's see here. The, at the moment, the system is piecemeal and voluntary. Uh, as of a year ago, it's become much more integrated uh, in the last year, though the plan is for it to eventually be mandatory and unified across the nation with each person given their own unique code used to measure their social credit score in real time. <laughs> Each person has their own code, mark on their hand, mark on their forehead, that can be measured in real time. Like private credit scores, a person's social score can move up and down depending on their behavior. The exact methodology is secret. Uh, examples, ba- uh, examples of infractions include bad driving, smoking and non-smoking areas, buying too many video games, posting fake news online, specifically about terrorist attacks or airport security. I'm sure your religious thoughts or what you, know, what you say about the government or Jesus <laughs> would play into that as well. Uh, other potential punishable offenses include spending too long playing video games, wasting money on frivolous purchases, and posting on social media. Interesting. China's social credit system incorporates a moral edge into the program, which is why many have compared it to some level of dystopian governance, such as in George Orwell's 1984, in which the state heavily controls every aspect of a citizen's life. 
Some citizens say it's making them better people already. It's already having an effect. A 32-year-old entrepreneur who only gave his name as Chen for some reason. I mean, why? That's interesting. Uh, told Foreign Policy in 2018 that, quote, I feel like in the past six months, people's behavior has gotten better and better. For example, when we drive, now we always stop in front of crosswalks. If you don't stop, you will lose points. At first, we just worried about losing points, but now we got used to it. We're like the frog in the, in the boiling pot of water. It's all good. Uh, we actually like it now. And it's uh, very frightening human to see human nature in, in action there. And the article talks about, I've seen several reports of people being uh, not allowed to fly. They can only go on the slow train. There was a, one report showed they have all kinds of trains in China, bullet trains that go 200 miles an hour from place to place. And this guy has a bad social credit score. And he, is, he was literally like in a, in a uh, cargo type car on a train that stopped every hour or whatever to, to move across China. So this is where ESG is headed, make no mistake. It's not just for businesses and investing and picking a safe investment for your money. It is about controlling people. And that's, uh, that's where this, you can easily see that's where this is headed. And in fact, Revelation tells us that something along these lines has to be in place for there to be complete control over uh, the ability to buy and sell based on whether or not you've taken, taken a mark as is described in Revelation. That, that is complete control over your, your thinking, your words, your actions. And that's what China is attempting to do through their social credit system. And unfortunately, that's exactly where the world, where the world is headed. Uh, so do not be discouraged. It is times like this that, that is made for Christians like you and me to be Christians, to be a light in this world. Which brings us to the study of the book of Proverbs. Uh, how to act like a Christian. This is this book was written for 21st century believers, even though uh, not directly, of course, <laughs> directly it was written for the people of Israel, uh, but it applies to us today in modern in the modern day world as believers in Christ, absolutely perfectly. How to act like a Christian in a world that is against you, against you every moment of the day. And thankfully, for me personally anyway, chapter 2 uh, of Proverbs is just completely loaded with enormous topics of study, uh, which made it a lot easier to prepare for uh, this week anyway, as we were traveling uh, a lot of the time. But we, we will look at the blessing of obedience, part three, uh, Proverbs 9 through 2, 9 through 22, and we actually get to the blessing of obedience this time. We, we've had two lessons on this uh, particular passage already, but this week we actually get to the end and the blessing of obedience being destined for 
glory. We, in Proverbs chapter 2, we've seen uh, this idea of discernment and discretion. In verses 9 through 11, essentially, if you go to the Lord, verses 1 through 8, He will deliver for you in this, in this regard, in giving you uh, wisdom, giving you discretion. If you go to Him, He will give it to you. That's why Jesus can say statements like, knock, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Desire the things of the kingdom, and He will give it to you. That's just uh, uh, stated as a matter of fact by Christ Himself. And as is the case with almost everything he said, he's not just uh, inventing completely new truths in the New Testament. He's telling us things from the Scriptures. He, he was elucidating, if you will, things from the Old Testament when he's speaking in the New Testament. Uh, that's that's the, the concept of progressive revelation. We get more and more information about uh, God and His purpose in in the world. That's what Christ was doing. He was progressively revealing more, more and more information. Uh, and so, when we go to the Lord, He's like a well. He is. He freely gives to anyone who asks of Him in this regard uh, for salvation, of course, and then for daily living as a believer. And so you will have discernment according to Proverbs 2, 9 through 11. You will have understanding. You will be able to pay attention to things that are going on in the world. And you will, your inner man will be changed. We can now bear fruit for the Lord as believers because we have gone to Him. Not because we're buckling down and studying the Bible more, but we've gone to the source. We're going to the Lord and we're relying upon Him and now we can, we can bear fruit for Him. And furthermore, we will be delivered from evil. Isn't that a wonderful promise uh, from the Lord? Having this discernment, going to Him, having discernment, paying attention, abiding in Him. Proverbs 2.12 it says, to deliver you from the way of evil. That's the purpose of, of God doing this for us. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So it, it will deliver us from uh, our evil people who want to lead us astray. In terms of what Solomon is saying uh, to his sons, to uh, other young men who want to lead you astray. It will also deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to death. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So we're, again, of course, a uh, poetic device, if you will, Solomon writing to his sons, this uh, going to the Lord, abiding in him will deliver you from the two main sources of sin that are in front of you as a young man 
in this world. Friends who will lead you astray or acquaintances who will lead you astray and women who will lead you into sin as well. And of course, uh, a secondary application, don't be like these people. Don't be a, a person who talks about doing evil. Don't be a person who practices uh, ungodly acts. Uh, don't gain satisfaction from the world. And if you're a woman, don't be an adulterer. Don't be a flatterer. Don't be uh, a woman who leads other men in to sin. Don't be like these people. Instead, uh, be like the Lord, and you will be destined for glory. This is truly the, the blessing, the true blessing of obedience. Notice Proverbs 2 and verse 20. It says, so you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. And this is where these kinds of passages are where we need to be careful in understanding exactly who this is written to and its purpose. This is not a, this is not a promise to you and me as uh, 21st century Americans that you know, uh, America is going to be the land of the upright. If we just do this, uh, it is going to be uh, God's new place, essentially. Uh, you know, if we will just turn from our sin and confess it, he will bless our nation and all of these kinds of, uh, what, let's give it a nice term, bad exegesis that we hear. And so I was going to say foolishness but I decided to be nice instead and just call it bad exegesis. You don't, you can't apply every promise that's made to Israel to America. Uh, that is foolish. That is, that is not reading the words on the page and understanding them as they're written. So we have to be careful in how we apply this to our, to ourselves in our day, because there is, there is, a specific meaning that Solomon is teaching essentially the people of Israel here in Proverbs 2 in verse 20. Notice again that it says, so you will walk. So be, is because or uh, the, 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 the outcome of this is what is about to be spoken. If you do these things, you will walk. Verse 20, so you will walk in the way of good men. You have gone to the fountain of the Lord in faith. He has changed uh, the inner man. He's made it possible for you to bear through, fruit through him and the work of the Holy Spirit by walking in faith. Then you will walk and live in the truth is what is being stated. Uh, and you will walk in obedience and righteousness if you are doing this. Fact. Statement of fact that is, that is being made there. Notice, uh, and we can tell the same thing in our lives today. 
Galatians 5.16, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Statement of fact. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not be living in sin. Fact. You can check it out in your own life. If you, are, if you have some kind of sin in your life, at least in that particular area, you are not walking by the Spirit. End of discussion. Uh, no more discussion even needed. If sin is overwhelming your life and these kinds of things, uh, man, you are, you're not in the Spirit. You are not walking by the Spirit. Does that necessarily mean that you are not a saved person? No. It means that you're not abiding. You are not walking by the Spirit. And as we're going to see, there, is, there, are, there are desperate consequences for that. Uh, in this life, and certainly in the next life. And uh, the same is true for the Israelites. As he says, notice again, it says, So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. And the outcome is, For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. The upright will live in the land, and uh, the blameless will remain in it, Solomon says here. And so this automatically uh, leads to, at least in my mind, it leads to a discussion of the Mosaic law for the people of Israel. And what what Solomon is saying here, essentially, is that if you follow the law, Israelites, you will be in the land. If you live as a blameless person, you will remain in the land. You will receive this kind of a blessing. Uh, And so this discussion, and that's what the law really is all about. Uh, in in a nutshell, at least, anyway. Uh, one way of thinking of it was as a means of testing. It is a, it is a, a, a covenant that is very conditional. If you do this, then this will happen uh, for you. If you do this, if you do not follow the law, then there are going to be consequences. It is not, the law was never, is not now, never was a condition for eternal life. Not for Israel, not for us, not for any person on this planet. That is not the purpose uh, of the law. And oh, by the way, the law wasn't given to you and me. It was given to the nation of Israel and uh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for this specific purpose. There is a, nu- a number. There are a number of purposes for the law, but the number one purpose is a means of testing and a means of blessing for the nation of Israel. If you will obey the law, you will be blessed. You will stay in the land. God det- says that He will bless the people. If they do not, there are a number of curses that are going to 
to fall upon that nation. So it was not given to them or to us or to anyone as a means of attaining salvation. Salvation has always been, always will, is now, and always will be by faith in Christ and his shed blood. A good way to look at it is the people before Christ were looking forward to God finally and fully delivering salvation to us through the shed blood of the Messiah. We, of course, look back. People in the tribulation period who will receive eternal life, there is an uncountable number of people where we tend to focus in Revelation on uh, all of the wickedness and horrendous things that will be taking place. There's also going to be a tremendous revival. 144,000 Apostle Pauls sent out into the world to lead people to faith in Christ. These people in the tribulation period are not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, by uh, keeping 615 or 17 or 613, however many exact commands there might be in the law. That is not how they are going to receive salvation. They will receive salvation by trusting in the shed blood of Christ the same way that you and I do. Sin is the problem. Sin is our problem. God is the answer. Sin was Adam's problem. God was his answer. Sin is the problem of people in the tribulation. God and the shed blood of Christ is the answer. It will always be that way. Uh, that's why John sa- or Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, uh, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this, that you need to be born again and that you have salvation by faith in God. Uh, that's hard to imagine. That's why he could say that. The, so the law automatically, obviously, has another purpose because it is all about obedience. Uh, that's the whole point of the, the whole point of the giving of the law and the people saying, "Yes, we will do this. We will follow these rules." That's why they, that's why they say that because it's very conditional. It is not a a means of salvation. It is a means of testing. And you can think of it as a little rhyme or uh, and alliteration, obey and stay or disobey and disperse. Uh, Deuteronomy, Paul, uh, Moses gives that to the people before they go into the land, the second giving of the law. That's what Deuteronomy means and is. Deuteronomy 28, verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Uh, Deuteronomy goes on, to, yeah, that's your nine verses of blessing. And then it goes from about chapter or verse 10 all the way down through 64 and essentially says, gives the curses for not obeying the Lord. If they don't obey the Lord, then you shall be left few in number. 
Whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, because you did not obey the Lord your God, it shall come about that as the Lord delighted over you to prosper you and multiply you, so the Lord will delight over you to make you perish and destroy you. You will be torn from the land where you are entering to possess it. Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, and there shall and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone, which your fathers have not known. However, there's also Deuteronomy chapter 30, where God promises to restore them to the land because God didn't just give Israel a conditional covenant. He also gave them several unconditional covenants that are summarized in the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 15, he promised to give his descendants through Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob, a land, a seed, a ruler, and people, a blessing. And these covenants, land covenant, Davidic covenant, and the new covenant are unconditional promises to the nation of Israel that he will put them in the land. He will give them a king and he will give them eternal life, all of them accomplished by faith. Israel doesn't have to do anything to receive those covenants. God already promised it to them, and he will most certainly uh, deliver them. We've talked about these before, and we don't have time to do it today, so we'll just move on. That when uh, Solomon says these things, he's talking about the Mosaic covenant to the nation of Israel. If you go to the Lord and abide in him, you will be able to stay in the land. If you don't, you will be excluded from the land. Proverbs 2.22, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. So obviously this isn't a promise to us. God doesn't promise to keep us in America if we're obedient and to kick us out if we're not. Obviously, that is uh, given to the nation of Israel. But the fact of the matter is that there is a blessing for obedience for us as Christians, as believers. We have life through faith. We have eternal life through faith. No other condition. That is the only Condition. We aren't told to keep nine of the Ten Commandments and then we'll have eternal life if we do a good enough job at that. No, we're told that we are saved through faith in Christ. Romans 4.4 4 says, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. I go to work tomorrow and I fly the number of flights that I'm supposed to. I am earning from the company, what is due to me. I did the work, now you pay me the wage. Salvation is not like that. Paul says, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. He said the same words to Abraham back in Genesis 15. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Believing is not a work. Believing is the exact opposite of work. Believing is ceasing from working and trusting in work that has been done on our behalf. 
through Jesus Christ. The Christian life, however, and this blessing that is available to us from God is not exactly the same way. There, there has to be obedience in, in conjunction with faith in order to be, have this blessing that is being spoken of. And the blessing is not necessarily a million dollars in your bank. It's not uh, necessarily good circumstances. It's not uh, health uh, or any of these kinds of worldly aspects to it. It is a, a blessing of satisfaction, if you will, uh, peace with God, a, a contentment in your life, in your spiritual life with God. It may not be a, a feeling that you get in your back. You may not have any sort of uh, sensory understanding of this, but it's, it's in the mind like so much of the Christian life actually is. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So that, that is the kind of blessing that, that we are going to have. And, and oh, by the way, we also, uh, as believers in Christ, face the judgment seat of Christ uh, in the future. Another uh, motivation, if you will, for obedience for us. And uh, I guess I kind of overloaded it as we're 10 minutes before 11. Uh, but the judgment seat of Christ, again, this is uh, not a slide that I just made. We've talked about this before. Uh, judgment seat of Christ, we all face this in the future. It will be a time of reward for obedience to the Lord. It is for believers only. It is a determination of reward only. It is not a determination of punishment. Our sins have been paid for fully, completely by Christ on the cross. That's what we're trusting in. And the Bible furthermore mentions five crowns that are available for the believer. Perhaps there are more. These are the ones that are mentioned in scripture uh, that are available for uh, obedience to the Lord in various areas of life. And that is something for us to look forward to, uh, I believe, pretty much right after the rapture, we're going to face this judgment seat of Christ where we will be judged for how we lived and blessed for obedience in this life. So the blessing of obedience, we made it through all of that material finally. It just took a little longer than, than I thought. Uh, we can receive discernment and discretion if we simply go to the Lord. We will be, promise, if you walk by faith, abiding in the Lord, you will be delivered from evil in two particular areas as discussed by Solomon, but it's true in every area of our life. 
And we're destined for glory. We, as the nation of Israel, obeyed. They were destined to be blessed in the land. They will be blessed in the future. We, as believers, uh, have a destiny with the Lord that is certainly glorious. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word this morning. I thank you uh, for the opportunity to be lights for you in this world that so desperately needs the truth. You know, uh, we may look back to the glory days whenever we personally think that may be and wish, oh, I wish I would have lived in the 50s or in the 1800s, whenever we think that it might have been a more Christian nation. Uh, However, we're living today. You have prepared us for this time. You have destined us for this time to live in lights as lights in a world that needs it. And I just pray that we would uh, walk by faith in you each moment of the day and that we would uh, truly be your servants and accomplish your purpose that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.